Welcome to season four of Exploring the Prophetic. We are on a journey of spiritual curiosity to see how God's voice can impact us and the world around us. I interview guests from every walk of life and background about how their relationship with God and hearing His voice has given them different opportunities and breakthrough experiences. This season, I'm also asking every guest how they got through a time when they thought they had heard from God or they received a prophetic word from someone else that didn't happen and how God helped them to resolve that. Come join our conversation on Exploring the Prophetic, starting now. Today, I have Will Hart, who's the CEO and director of Iris Ministries Global, which is the ministry that Heidi and Roland Baker founded, where they go into extreme places, in war zones, in areas where there's human trafficking, in areas where people, children are at risk, or they're being underfed, and areas that are really hard, and they actually provide help, relief, and the gospel well, the primary mission of Iris Global as a family is to seek the face of God with all of our hearts, he says, that we might glorify him and enjoy him forever. We proclaim Jesus. He is our salvation, our prize, our reward, our inheritance, our destination, our motivation, our joy, our wisdom, and our sanctification, and absolutely everything else we need now and forever. Well, that's my whole mission statement too now. And uh, they have over 70 locations in 35 nations, feeding thousands every day, serving the poor and the broken worldwide. Will is going to share about his own journey in Iris and how God got him through an incredible bout with his wife where she had cancer that was stage four terminal. He's also going to share a couple things about their journey that just he's heard God in unique ways that has caused a unique life, really. I love Will and his wife so much, Music. They're just dear people to my heart. And I know you're going to fall in love with him too. He's so much fun, so funny, so charming, but so real and authentic. Lives a lot of times in war zones or on the mission field and then comes back to his home in America. And he sees some of the hardest of the hard situations that missionaries can see, and yet keeps a happy heart, keeps a joyful heart with God. You want to hear from a man like this. So my guest, Will Hart. Hey, my fellow explorers. We have a brand new book out, and if you've ever been given a word that you're a Joseph, an Esther, a Solomon, or a Daniel, you need to learn how to hear God the way that they did. You need to have that place inside of you that connects to God, that can believe for his solutions on the world today, and for his problem-solving ability, his wisdom, his strategy. And so we've written this book called Wired to Hear, and it's connecting God's voice to your career and place of influence. You are going to love this book. I want to encourage you to get it today. My friend Bob Hassan, who does Exploring the Marketplace with me and myself, wrote this to take you on a journey of how to succeed in your place of career with God's voice and with connection to Him. Visit Bowles Ministries today and look up Wired to Hear or go to any bookstore you know and you should be able to find Wired to Hear. But get it, review it, and share it with someone else. Welcome to the show today. I'm so glad we have Will Hart and Will... I just love you. I'm so glad you're on today. I'm so glad we get to hear your stories. I, just because they're so miraculous and practical and real and authentic and change the world. So let's talk. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing amazing, Sean. Thank you so much for having me on, man. I've been watching this podcast for a long time and be able to be a part of it is really exciting. Thank you so much. Well, it's weird that I didn't ask you a long time ago because I've been the very first month that I put together the list of who I went on this podcast, your name has been on there the entire time. So I don't know what happened, but I have you on today. And when you say you're doing amazing, I do want to draw a context for our community that you're with Iris Global and you guys are responding to some of the greatest disasters, wars, oppressions that are happening in the nations right now. And in the midst of that, you can say you're amazing because you're walking with God in a unique way. So I, I, I do want to highlight that because it's very, it's not like everyone else is like, I'm amazing. I'm going to go, you know, 
uh, to work tomorrow and just be normal. It's like you're you're doing something that's very unusual in our generation. So I just want to highlight that just to honor what you're doing because it's yeah. I just think our audience needs to know that right from the beginning, get go. But in doing what you're doing, how did this start? How did the passion to because I know you and I know you could have done a lot of things because you're very gifted, you're very skilled. You ran with Randy Clark for a long time and helped organize really all their events and ministry stuff that they did and also taught, also brought the anointing, also prayed for healing, also did all that. I mean, you're a builder and you're a speaker and you're a trainer and all these things, but you actually aligned yourself because of your relationship with the bakers into Iris and, and doing stuff that a lot of people say no to or only do for a little bit of time. So take us on that journey. Yeah, uh, it's been a long journey. Um, but uh, the long and short of it is I learned early on, whether it was serving Randy or Heidi, uh, that the key is serving. And very early on in my life, I made a decision that um, to put aside building. Uh, everybody was telling me, build, build, like, Will, God's on you, build. You know, you, you got a word, build, build, build your own ministry, build this thing. And uh, even though I have that, that inside of me, I just, I just read the scriptures and I, just find that it's better to serve. And if God wants me to build something, he'll tell me, he'll give me the timing, but it's led to serving, in my opinion, two of the greatest revivalists walking planet earth, Randy yeah. Clark and Heidi Baker. So I, I just, I just want to serve. I, I, I think it's the key to advance. I think it's the key to, yeah, taking territory is serving. So tell us where kind of your, your Christian life or your ministry life started, either one of those. Yeah. Grew up in a Christian family. Uh, I love your testimony, Sean. I, I, I was actually, I know this is going to sound weird, but I was in the shower thinking about it a couple of days ago. There's not, too many, <laughs> there's not too many people. Like everybody has the story of like, I was on drugs and, totally. and God. And so I, even though I have that in my story, I, I grew up in a Christian household. My mom and dad get saved when I was really young. And I remember going to conferences, going to events uh, and encountering the Holy Spirit but but ran away from it. So around 12 years old, started getting into drugs, uh, became a kleptomaniac, state issued psychiatrist, kicked out of school. And uh, my parents didn't know what to do with me. Um, and yeah, fast forward senior year of high school, I was failing out of everything. And I was purchasing drugs in a town about 45 minutes from where I live. I, I grew up on an island called Gloucester, which is north of Boston. And uh, driving home, drove past this church where there was a service going on it. And, uh, I thought I'd go in. I had a camera with me. I was into <laughs> photography. Oh, I was like, I'm gonna go take pictures of the freaks. Right. Cause there's nothing better than a yeah. good old fashioned Pentecostal, uh, charismatic meeting in the middle of nowhere, uh, to get some crazy photos. And, uh, the Holy spirit touched me, filled me wow. and changed me forever in that meeting. And a lot of people, they ask, you know, what, what was your first encounter and for years? I would say it was this power encounter, but as I replayed the testimony over and over and over and again, it wasn't just power that captured my heart. It was love. Um, mm. the, the minister that was there as he was uh, preaching, he was getting to the end of his message and he said, Jesus loves you. And I'd heard that thousands of times growing yeah. up, but it never meant anything. It was just words. And, but as he said it, I had an encounter with love and uh, mm. the, it was power, but it was, it was love. I felt, loved and embraced for the first time. And even in all of my sin, my, my, my horrific life that I was living for myself, uh, it broke through all of that. And I, and I encountered love. And then he said, Jesus loves you. Boom. I get flooded with his love. 
And I realized in that moment that he's real. Um, wow. God became undeniable in a second for me. And then uh, Bob, who was, the, who was the minister, he said, not only does he love you, but he wants to use you. And I never heard that before. I always heard he loves you. And hopefully one day, you know, you could do something for God. Uh, and, and when he said that, we said, not only does he love you, but he wants to use you. That's when the power of God hit me and the fire of God hit me. And then Bob uh, said, not only does he want to use you, but he, he's going to use you tonight. And with that, uh, the Holy Spirit just flooded every cell of my body. I ran forward, um, ran up for prayer. Bob laid his hands on me and I fell out under the power of the Holy wow. Spirit shaking. I got delivered. I got uh, completely set free. I gave my life to the Lord on the floor. And then within about 15 minutes, I felt a nudge in my side. It was actually Bob. He had his black orthopedic Velcro sneaker on <laughs> and he, he kicked, he like nudged me with his foot three times. And he said, he said this, and this is stuck with me, Sean, forever. He said, get up. What are you doing on the ground? Get up off the floor. It's time to go to work. And wow. uh, I got something in the first 15 minutes of being saved that I think a lot of the church is running around hunting for. It was the encounter was actually to do something with it. And so he picked me up off the ground and uh, he had me lay hands on people. And I began to pray for people and I watched the Holy Spirit flow through me and touch other people and uh, stick a fork in me. I was done, man. Uh, that was it. That's all it wow. took. Uh, I, and it's what been a marking one experience. years. Yeah. I love that God took that and was like, hello, you know, you're going to, you're coming in for one reason, enticed you just because the weirdness of what you grew up as far as, I mean, I, I know I grew up a lot of wonderful things in the church, but also a lot mm -hmm. of weird stuff too. Oh yeah. So I was always intrigued too. You know, I remember the kids I led in youth group would actually go into chat rooms and Christian chat rooms on like AOL back in the day. And they would pretend like they were Satanists just because they liked to antagonize these old church moms who were like, oh my gosh, there's a Satan, you know, like that kind of stuff. And it's like, yeah. I remember like when they would get awakenings, like what you're talking about too, where it's like, they go from being intrigued, interested, but also offended. And all of a sudden they're, they're activated and they're just filled with the love of God. And I love seeing that with you because it's just made such a difference in the world who you are. Oh. So take us further into the, the story. So you, you have that moment. And then God changes the trajectory of your life and you start really going after just his will, his heart. I love that what you said in the beginning, just serving, like you just served. So where did you go next? Yeah. So uh, I woke up the next morning and I could no longer wear black. I, I used to wear black clothes <laughs> all the time. Um, I think you're wearing black now. So here <laughs> I am. I know it's, uh, we're going backwards. No, I, uh, <laughs> I used to wear black everywhere and I loved darkness. And I tell people I went from goth to gap in about 24 hours. And I literally, <laughs> I, I, <laughs> this is a true story. I, I opened up my drawers the next morning and I was still shaking. I was trembling from what happened. It was a Thursday night. And so uh, Friday morning, I go to school and I put on a pair of khakis and a blue polo. It was the only thing I had that wasn't black. Oh and I, I went to school and homeroom, all my friends were sitting around me and I just wept and I said, God's real. He touched me. I, everything's changed. And I lost all my friends very, very, very fast. Yeah. And, uh, and just went on a six month journey of going, whatever that thing was that touched me, I want that. And so for me, the only access point I had was, was the minister who, who, whose meeting I got touched in. So anywhere that Bob was ministering in new England, I was in my mom's Toyota and I was booking it out to meetings. So I drove all over like Maine, Vermont, New Hampshire, Rhode Island, anywhere there was a meeting. So six months 
I just did whatever I could. And the whole serving thing really started there. I, I would show up at these meetings and, and Bob remembered me and I would just catch for him. And, uh, and I would go and I would grab his Bible off the pulpit I'd stick it under my arm and I'd make sure that he'd have to come to me before he left, uh, the, the service that night. Cause I wanted prayer. And after six months, he said, will I became like this lost puppy dog. He said, will I'm going to Paraguay. Uh, and I honestly thought Paraguay was in Africa. I failed it. <laughs> he, said, he said, I'm going to Paraguay. Uh, do you want to come, come with me? And, uh, it was on that trip in Paraguay. I saw the deaf ear. I saw the lame walk. I saw the blind wow. see. And, uh, and while I was there, the day that we were flying back after this two week trip, the Lord spoke to me and said, I want you to move, move out to Paraguay. So at 17, uh, packed up everything I had in my little LL bean duffel bag and, uh, hopped on a plane and, and moved into a closet of a youth pastor. Uh, he had, I moved into their five-year-old and eight-year-old's bedroom closet. And I lived oh there for about six months serving the Lord in Paraguay. Did you even speak the language? No, gosh, I failed Spanish one three times in high school. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, you know that I, I have, my best friend is from Guatemala and a lot of my close friends are Hispanic and I, I've never spoke Spanish. So it's so bad. It's like, it's, it's so ridiculous. So I understand. I understand these things. So six months in Paraguay and then kind of take us on. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to jump into some of the bigger kind of life stories because yeah. You end up really getting marked by your time with um, the evangelist, like you call him, Randy Clark, one of the greatest evangelists in the world right now. And he's really brought dignity back to a lot of the charismatic gifts that had been kind of extremized, you know. And so, yeah. so a lot of the church couldn't relate to him. And all of a sudden, Randy comes in and brings the theology and brings practicality and brings, you know, actual testimonies that are verifiable and even medical testimonies. So talk about that time with Randy. How did that start? Yeah, so... Um something crazy happened in Paraguay where I ended up in the white house. Uh, I prayed for a kid who was in a coma and he came out of the coma and word spread around Paraguay. So I ended up getting a phone call from the first lady uh, who wanted me to come in and pray for their friend uh, who mm. had cancer. So I ended up at this Catholic uh, prayer meeting in the white house of Paraguay. God moved, the woman got healed and then boom, testimony started going out. So Randy is sitting back in, uh, I forget where he was, was before Pennsylvania. And he's, he was like, man, I want that kid to travel with me. So when I moved back to America, he reached out, I started traveling with him, which led to the journey of, I mean, really, well, I would still say 16 years I've been running with, with Randy Clark. Yeah. Uh, but that opened up the international to the nation, serving the globe, uh, traveling uh, with him, which which ended up leading me to Heidi and Roland Baker, where I serve today. And in the midst of that, like Randy um, is so in a good way, polarizing to who God is. And then Heidi is a totally different figure, even though they're really good friends. Heidi has, um, I mean, she's chosen over and over to go to the poorest of the poor, go to war zones, go to places where there's no hope, where Christians don't go. Like, especially American Christians don't go. Uh, suppose we can't go unless you go illegally. And she's done that many times too. Uh, so talk about like, how did you intersect with Heidi and how did that happen? And why, why then did you join up with Heidi to help lead the ministry? You know, you know, I catch my heart in this cause, oh man, I got uh, I'll have a hard time doing this one fast, but the, I got really, you, you might know this, you might understand this, Sean. I got really fed up with the charismatic movement 
Um, I looked at it as a bless me club. So after three years of traveling with Randy, and this isn't Randy, this was just me and my journey and my heart. um, I, I got very tired of going to places, watching people getting touched, receiving powerful encounters and them doing nothing with it. And so I would go and I would watch God just shake people and just rock their world. And then they would get in line again, ask for the same thing that God already did. And so as I'm on this journey, traveling the globe with Randy, my heart just began to go like, this has to, there has to be more than just going from church to church to church. There has to be more than just event, event, event. And I, and I caught a glimpse of that when I met Heidi, it was, it was all of the encounter, all of the revival, all of the healings, miracles, signs and wonders, but to the poor, the sick, the needy, the broken and the lost. And, and as soon as I saw that, I was like, that's what's inside me. That thing is what stirred me up to go to Paraguay. And like I said, man, what Randy's doing is his calling and the world has, has changed. Christianity has changed because of what Randy has done. But in my heart, I just wasn't in that place anymore. And so I, I, I remember being on a trip in Mozambique. I used to lead teams for global awakening and I was with Heidi and, uh, she, she said, "Will I want you to leave Randy come and, uh, and serve Heidi or serve me and Roland as we're pioneering this new base in Pemba. And, and it, it was like one of the greatest invitations I've ever had. So left the itinerant and my wife and I, we were just married eight months at that point. We moved to Mozambique and we started wow. pioneering and that literally the unreached Makua Makandi of Northern Mozambique. And that it, it was like, I found this thing that my heart had been longing for from the day that I got touched, uh, you know, in 1999 in that little assemblies wow. of God church. And you guys, didn't you have your, ch- like your kids over in Pemba? Yeah. You like yeah. literally gave birth. <laughs> And it's like crazy missionary. Like people don't understand. I've been to Pimba. People don't understand. It is rustic. It's like hardcore. I mean, it's yeah. not, uh, this isn't glorified camping. This is like, even where people live is like less than American camping. It's just, it's hard, you know, for the most part. And so you guys were in, you guys were like, yeah. this is what we're called to. This is what we're doing. Yeah. I married the most amazing woman. And uh, we, our heart was always for missions. We always talked about it before we got married. And, and then when the door opened up, we went. And yeah, we, it's, it's funny shifting from like the itinerant scene to hardcore missions in the unreached, but we decided that we weren't going to just be separate from the culture that we were going to, we were going to jump in with everything we had in the culture. And that that literally (laughs) meant we got, we got pregnant in the Congo, uh, as we were on a trip there in the DRC and then, uh, came back and my wife and I both decided that, that we wanted to have our kids in Mozambique. So my first two kids are Mozambique and we had them in our house. We had a bunch of friends in and uh, we had a book where there are no doctors, a book for midwives. And we just started it. I wouldn't recommend that to anyone watching (laughs) this, by the way. Um, But it was something that we really heard the Lord clearly on. And yeah, it it, it was amazing, Sean, because, you know, as soon as that took place, we had favor amongst the people, unlike we had ever experienced before. You know, wow. it was like, it was like they said, you're one of us, you know, especially now, like there's such a, there's such a conversation around serving and, and cultures and the, the, the best way to serve a culture is to enter in fully. It's not to just live in your little missions compound yeah. and do your missions life and then go and do your work. But we're called to become a part of the community, a part of people's lives. And there was nothing more like, there's nothing else that opened up greater doors than when my wife 
uh, pop, popped out two of our kiddos there. And it was <laughs> crazy. It was crazy. I remember that was again. happening and people were talking about like, there's these missionaries that are having babies. And, you know, I just remember just thinking, cause it's rustic. It's like, you know, oh, yeah. when Shri and I had our babies, I was like, where's the hospital? And, and, you know, we're not even like, um, we're not even like, let's find a birthing center. Cause we're so far from, you know, we were like, what? it's just funny. Well, let's go a little bit further into, sure. I know at one point Musi got uh, cancer and that was a really big part of your guys's journey because it, it's kind of changed things for a while. Yeah. And here you guys work in the healing ministry, your missionaries are going after the poorest of the poor. God's led you there. And in the midst of that, you guys started to experience a very, very real suffering. So talk about that a little bit and how God walked you out of that. Yeah. So uh, that was about six years ago, seven years ago. Um, first of all, my wife and I weren't doing good in our marriage at this point. And I think it's really important to share that in, in the story. Um, we were, it wasn't because of sin. It, uh, you know, wasn't nobody's addicted to pornography. It was just unforgiveness, unrepentance, and a mm-hmm. lot of just anger on both, both of our sides. And yeah. so we were at a, we were at a come to Jesus moment in our marriage. And so this thing had been going on in her body for about two years. And at the same, while this was going on, we had our third child, Josiah. And so all the doctors were like, oh, it's just the pregnancy. Oh, it's just hormones. And But after he was born, it started to get worse and worse, culminating to my wife and I end up in a really a two-week marriage intensive in the, in the hills of Colorado. And, uh, and after that, we came back, and it was right when we got our marriage back on track that it was about two weeks later that we found out she had stage four Hodgkin's lymphoma. And normally it's a young person's cancer. So you hear a lot of people surviving it because they get it when they're younger. But my wife was at the tail end. She was the older, you know, the, an older one for this and it had spread, spread past her diaphragm. Wow. And so, yeah, we went into that, that season of not knowing what was going to happen. It was, you know, the, you mentioned it, like we're in a healing ministry yet. My wife has cancer. There's, I don't think there's anything more polarizing than the prophetic and healing ministry, right? There's so much place for anger and disappointment and walking away from the supernatural, depending on what's going on in your own life. Like that word didn't happen. It must not be God or my wife's sick, right? God, you must not be healing. And there was, it was amazing to watch one, the body's response to her sickness, but two, um, our response and the journey of seeing people get healed all the time. I'd seen four people get healed of a very similar cancer. And yet my wife was suffering. And every time I pray for her, it just seemed to get worse and worse and worse and worse. And so I, 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 uh, I know we always have these moments in these seasons, but I remember, uh, she had this tumor right below her sternum and, uh, it was just growing and growing. And it was like, displacing her rib cage and she's writhing in the bed on pain. I have three kids, you know, under from nine, eight and a one-year-old. And, and I'm going, I'm going to be a single dad. Right. And, uh, and I'm grinding up pain, pain meds like Oxy. Uh, so, so she'll stop screaming. And you just have these moments. You're like, what am I doing? You know, where are you at God in the middle of this? And, uh, yeah. And it's, and he never answered, right. It was never like, I'm here. It will all be okay. Yeah. But it was just leaning into that foundation that I think he placed inside of me when I was on the floor, 
uh, at 17. It's, uh, I will do this because you love me and I will trust you because you love me. And, uh, and we, we, we lent into it. I, I, I fell in love with the body of Christ again during that season. I think that was walking away from that. Of course, the, the realization of how fragile life is, but, but I, as I look back, I, I realized that the Lord gave me a, a heart for the body as I watched the body just surround us in prayer mm. and in fasting. And, and, uh, yeah, it was a one year journey and, uh, and it, yeah, it was marked by so many of these God moments. One of my favorites was, uh, my Dave Wagner mo- moment. You, you know, Dave, right? I don't know him personally, but I've, I've heard about him for years. Love him from afar. Oh my, Sean, I don't know why you guys haven't connected. You guys are the best of friends. He, <laughs> so I did the most unhealthy prophetic thing ever uh, during that season. And, uh, and I acknowledge it. But uh, I, when, when the news came in, first of all, I got inundated by, from Christians. Christians from afar, uh, Christians that are our friends with, with why my wife was sick, right? Why she had mm-hmm. cancer. I had a list of about 60 different things Oh my gosh. On, on telling me, you know, and you, you know, it's like, Oh, she, you know, because you're in ministry, you're, you're not under proper covering, right? You, the, you have open doors in your heart. Your wife has yeah. open doors, right? Like everything yeah. in between it was, it really showed me how bipolar Christians are. Yeah. Um, but, but in the midst of it, I reached out to David Wagner and I said, I know that this is not fair, but like, I've been doing this for 20, well, 17, 18 years at that point. Um, I need you to tell me whether my wife's going to live or die. And he's one of my good friends. And I put that on him. I put that, uh, I need a word. I know you here and you need to tell me whether she's going to live or die because I, I just can't handle this right now. And, uh, he took it and he went back and about two, three days later, he sent me a text. Your wife will live and not die. Uh, doctors will get saved, nurses will get saved. And there was like this list of all of these points in the, in the prophecy on how it was going to turn out. But there was one thing that stuck. There's one thing that hit me, right? Cause people get saved everywhere we go, people get touched. So I, I didn't like really acknowledge those as sign points, yeah. even though they happen. Yeah. But there was one part in that word where he said, and your wife will not lose her hair. Now, my wife, she has this beautiful, long black yeah. hair. She's this Latina, stunning Latina woman. And, uh, and we started chemo radiation and her hair started coming out. And, and, uh, I remember we, we took it down, you know, from her lower back to her shoulders yeah. and then it started coming out more and it was just everywhere. You'd be eating Cheerios. Next thing you know, you're chewing on, you know, just, oh, you man. know, it's just on the sheets. It's just, everything was covered in her hair. And we, and, you know, a week later kept coming out. So we took it down, you know, to like ear length and we went wig shopping and, you know, we both tried on wigs and, you know, we're just trying to have fun in the middle of all yeah. of it. And, and it kept going down and I was about the fourth or fifth haircut. Uh, in my estimation, she was about maybe a week, week and a half away from losing all of her hair going completely bald. And we go into the doctor's office and, uh, and they say, you know, you're doing well, you're responding well to chemo and radiation. And, you know, we'll see you back here in a month. And as he's exiting the room, he stops and he spins around. He goes, oh, um, I forgot to tell you, you're not responding well to this one chemo drug. Uh, we're going to remove it out of your regime. And, he, and we were like, okay, great. Thanks for telling us. And, and then he, he exits again. And then he 
dips his head back and he goes, oh, but you might want to know this. That's the drug that causes hair loss. And out of the doctor, who's an atheist, he goes, and just so you know, you, you will not lose your hair. And wow. as soon as he said that, I, I was done. Like it was, it was over. I switched. I shut off the new wife search committee and, you know, just went back to, <laughs> so bad. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Is that too much? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so, but Can God I just say this, God Sean? Like I, I, we, I know this might be too much, but like I actually entered a season of my wife where we actually taught, had those conversations. Wow. And stage four, and it's very real. Yeah, yeah. She was like, I want you to get married. You talked to me about it, I remember. Yeah, she was like, this is the type of person I want you to marry. And, you know, like, it was a really beautiful time in our our life. But, yeah, uh, as soon as we heard that, it was like, the minute we heard that, everything shifted. And it was that word that David Wagner gave us. It was, as I look back on my life and all the prophetic words, and I've had some crazy accurate prophetic words, that was the one or that marked me so much. One, I think I put one of my friends in a very difficult place. And instead of him just pulling back me and like, Oh, that's not fair. He actually dug into the heart of the Lord and, and, uh, and heard and heard for him for us. That, that changed my life forever. I love the prophetic man. Me too. I just, and I love the stories. I love how the two things out of that is to, to the community. Cause I know like when you're missionary or itinerant, a lot of times the community you're, you have to be the strong one a lot of times. So the yeah. community is not as strong for you because there's just a different relationship. And I love that during that season, you guys got so grounded in your relationships. And it was obvious, you know, to people around you that um, the dependency that you needed. And I love that you guys opened your heart to receive it because then it changed the way you do relationships in life now. And yeah. so many people need that who are, whether they're business people or missionaries or the, any of the independent roles where yeah. your where your energy is consumed 70 hours a week with something else, you know, or 40 hours a week um, with bad boundaries. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how many hours a week. If you, if you don't have the great boundaries of, of, of choosing community, that's just a huge thing. But I love the prophetic too, how you needed the work because you were around all the prophetic people. And I remember being sick with a really bad parasite. I was dying actually. I was in hospice back in 2000. And, and, and everybody did the same thing. They told me all the spirits and all the things yeah. and all the, you know, like all the reasons I was just like to the point where I wouldn't receive prayer anymore. Yeah. I was like, I don't want to receive any prayer anymore because it's just too hard. And I remember this young man came over to my house and he said, he'd, he'd been in my prophetic class and he had never got a word before. And he didn't believe he could hear from God. And he came over to my house and shaking. He goes, I have a word from God. And I said, yes, it works. Like I could, I could teach anybody because you're the hardest to receive person in the world. And he goes, the Lord is saying that you have to keep receiving prayer. You won't receive your healing. Wow. And what he was basically saying is like, you shut your heart down to God because God, yeah. God uses the body to heal the body and you shut your heart down. You need to get back in the community. So I didn't take it as like somebody has a healing gift for me. I, I took it as like, I pulled back because of the bad part of church, the bad yeah. part of these kinds of things. And I, I had to not be the strong one. So I'm not directly comparing it, but a little bit, you know, in this, that context. Well, in the midst of it, we only have a minute left, but uh, in the midst of all that you guys are building, because I know you're in some of the toughest areas of the world. Mozambique's experienced one of the worst conflicts it's ever experienced. It's been one of the world capitals of the world in the last decade. And you guys hear the worst of the worst stories, what's happening there in Malawi. I know you're in touch with Afghanistan. I know you're in touch with Haiti, you know, the earthquakes that have just happened again, 2000 people dead, all the different things that are happening. I know you guys, you guys hear those things because you have people on the ground firsthand. Iris Ministries is a response, responder to conflicts and world events. And uh, just as a final, like, how does your relationship with God, how does he ground you in the midst of being willing, first of all, to not get compassion fatigued, empathy fatigued, and actually listen, 
But second of all, like, how do you just stay so because you I know joy is one of your one of your trauma therapy um, <laughs> triggers that God's given you. Yeah. <laughs> I always laugh because you you can make me laugh more than almost anybody. <laughs> but how do you stay just grounded in him? How do you see Jesus in a way that causes you to not just get go into a hole? Yeah. Well, I think the first thing is I need to admit to people that I do go into holes constantly. I yeah. constantly struggle. And I think that's a healthy part of this. Uh, Jesus doesn't mind the struggle. I think I look at it like the calling of the first disciples, um, you know, throw your nets out into deep water and let your nets down for catch. And they said, Lord, we've worked hard all night, right? They complain. We haven't yeah. caught anything, but because you say so. And, and I love that about our savior, right? He doesn't mm. mind a little bit of like pushback. He, he, yeah. he doesn't. So I think being honest, being real and raw is a part of it. He's not looking for robotic um, responses, I think Jesus actually, John 15, 15, he looks for friends, right? My friends can tell me anything. They can be going through anything. And I'll, I'll, I'll dig in deeper with them, knowing that they are, not just pushing them away. So I think that's the first part, being raw and real. The second thing is realizing that we're not God. Uh, yeah. Compassion fatigue, I think, really comes when you are the one that is holding all the answers, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't control this. I don't get to explain it all. I don't have to understand where he fits in every single thing that's taking place. Yeah. What I what I have to do is lean my heart into him in the midst of whatever's going on. I I I don't know, Sean, like I read Paul's life and I I see the goodness of God. I see the hand of God in the middle of the chaos, in the middle of the suffering. And, and I, think, I think it's a healthy thing to be reminded that God's goodness and our comfort are two completely different things. And so chaos, wow. commotion, wow. all of that is not necessarily mean that we're out of his will or that yeah. he has left us. No, it's, it's this happened in the lives of the disciples. 11 of the 12 disciples were, were murdered. Yeah. They were tortured, right? And, and, and the world changed in the middle of that. So... As a missionary, we're a little bit more hardcore. I know that might be hard for some people to swallow, but but this isn't about us. I on the floor when the Holy Spirit touched me and I gave my life to him, I gave my life. And I think a lot of times we say that, but we don't really understand that. That when you give your life, you have to let go control. And let and that means control of having the answers, control of understanding it all, and trusting him in the midst of all the chaos. So it's so good. I mean, it's kind of the antidote for the Messiah complex. Yeah, it's, it's like it, he's the Messiah. He's good. It's his. He he so loved the world that he sent his son. Yeah, and then we get to we get to serve Jesus, not be his son. We we don't yeah. get to we we are Jesus, but we're not Jesus. Like we yeah. get to be like Jesus, but he is ultimately responsible. So I love that. I know we had just talked before. Um, you know, we were on on the podcast, and you were talking about how you you've heard some of the worst stories uh, in Mozambique you've ever heard that actually yeah. caused. Uh, you know, cause you to respond differently than you've ever responded before. And I just, I look at that and I just think, you know, you can't be in the kind of role you're in as you're a United Nations worker that's just managing it by paper, budget, and just a little bit of on the ground. It's like there has to be this place of like consistent connection to Jesus and surrender to him that I watch you emulate and it's beautiful. So thank you for doing that. Thanks for being and doing all that you do. Is there anything that you want to point out where people can get involved with even just the tragedy of what's going on with Mozambique right now, or 
with some of the product or resources and materials that you guys have to help people? Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, if you want to give, you can go on our website, irisglobal.org, and there's a bunch of places you can give, but it'll, it'll say, um, you know, crisis response, uh, and that will go, and mainly that's going to go to two things. It's going to go to feeding and it's going to, and it's going to go to the Bible. I saw riots for the Bible as we were feeding in Mozambique. I didn't see riots for food. I saw riots for the Bible. Um, and so we're using, we're, we're giving out solar Bibles right now. And it isn't, you know, all of the people from the North, they fled South. So we're, we're actually ministering to tribes that we have not been able to reach right now. Um, wow. And then if people want to grow, maybe in their heart of this, uh, this missions call, maybe something I said, you know, it sparks something inside of you. Um, we've been doing an online mission school, super, we're making it as inexpensive possible. I think our last one's like 50 bucks, eight weeks. That's amazing. You get to come online. It's three days a week, live teaching from Heidi, uh, myself, missionaries from around the globe. It's so cool. And I didn't know you guys were doing that. That's amazing. Yeah, we just, I just, if we're raising up missionaries, I want every tribe and every tongue to be able to, to receive it. So we, we do whatever we can to make it as, as easily available as possible. So you can sign up. We got another one coming this fall, and uh, you can sign up for that. Uh, we have mission schools all over the globe. And, and honestly, like if you feel your heart is wanting to connect with some of the work we have stop for the one, which is our child sponsorship program. Yeah. There's so many amazing places. You can go to our website and check it out. Follow us on social media, Iris Global. Um, yeah. On Instagram and uh, myself, Will Hart Min uh, on Instagram. That's awesome. Well, thanks for being on today. Thanks for sharing from your heart. Dude, I love you, Sean. You're amazing, man. I, <laughs> I, I, I'm just so grateful for you and uh, your friendship. And I've loved watching you all these years, man. We've had a lot of we've had a lot of great adventures together. Yeah, well, many more, many more. Come so. on, let's do yeah. it. Do you want to be mentored in hearing God's voice? It's not hard, but it takes time, examples, practice, and conversations to really get in the place of being able to get revelation, and also to know how to interpret and reply what God's showing you. I have started an online community through our platform, Transcend God Mentoring where you'll receive weekly videos, weekly live group mentoring, monthly special events, and all of our past e-courses on the gifts, marriage, and relevant topics to your spiritual journey. Come join me and all my platform contributors to learn how to walk out a thriving journey of hearing God. Thanks for listening to Exploring the Prophetic, part of the Exploring Series podcast. These podcasts are made possible by generous donations of listeners just like you. Become a partner or visit us at bullsministries.com with your one-time donation today. Also, if you are enjoying the podcast, please become a part of our family by subscribing. Connect to us at www.bullsministries.com where we want to resource you with our articles, books, weekly mentoring, e-courses, and more. Or download our Bulls app free at our web store. We love to hear your feedback. Drop us a line and also your rating, reviewing, and sharing makes such a difference in the world for people learning about us. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.